You're listening to an all-new Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Monday and time for Chasing the Word of Compassion Radio. Welcome back to the microphone, Sandy. Thank you. It's always good to be here. I should ask you, since it's Monday morning, how was your weekend? Great. We had the kids over on Sunday for brunch and (laughs) uh, enjoy time with them, and it was a good weekend. And that is a joke embedded in there because we record these on Friday. (laughs) And we are looking forward with great anticipation to having our kids under our roof again for Sunday dinner. And those things are important to us. hope they're important to you too, friends. You probably have family out there that you wish you could see more often. I won't ask about those of you who wish you would see some of your family less often. Those are issues for other days. (laughs) Other programs. (laughs) We have been spending our time in this series in the Psalms of David. There are a number of sets of Psalms that are attributed to King David in his long-lasting musical career. As a young man, he became quite proficient on his instrument. So David's career in music was probably at least 50 years Maybe 60. Mm. He died at the age of 70. We know that. He was a worship leader par excellence. And he took on big themes. He wasn't just talking about my need or God in his character. He talked about all the things that tell us about God's character. Well, when you read the Psalms of David, you open the book of Psalms and point, and pretty much that's going to be from David. He wrote 73 that are directly attributed to him. So if he wrote 73 psalms, that's at least one a year of his whole life, thinking he probably didn't start when he was an infant. That's a lot of work. That's very prolific. If you're cranking out 10 good songs a year, that's a pretty big big deal deal. for a creative person. His heart, obviously, was in the worship. Yeah, I think it's one of the reasons why God says David was a man after his own heart, because God inhabits the praises of his people. Mm -hmm. So it tells me that God himself enjoys music. Yeah. And he gave the gift to us to create with it because he... He wants to be an audience. Mm. Well, Zephaniah tells us that he rejoices over us with singing. So if God himself sings over us, then I think that's pretty important. Here's a thought. If God sings over us and that's his joy to do so, does that mean that every song he sings is a new one that only he came up with? Or does he listen to a song that we've produced and say, wow, that's cool, and (laughs) sing along with it and becomes one of those earworms for God himself? (laughs) Oh, no. I think he actually responds to and enjoys and savors and experiences the music that we create for him and because of him. Well, the creator made us creative. Yeah. And a creator knows how to appreciate good creation. Yeah. Well, and speaking of creation, the psalm that we've chosen today is a creation psalm. Yeah. The different genres of psalms, and that's one of them. David encompasses all of those genres. I don't think he was worried about what genre he was writing in. He was just pouring his heart out Probably so. on the papyrus. And therefore, the modern-day scholars have come up with these different categories or genres. Yeah, and those different genres, as we've identified them, help us to put them in different groupings so that they would be good for these kind of situations. I noticed when you were talking about the different genres of psalms that some of the scholars would group them by who participates or performs mm-hmm. them. Other ones talk about simply the themes contained in the lyrics. Yeah. So there was a couple of different systems. Just go ahead and describe those different systems that we're working from now. Major categories, that would be the hymns, the communal laments, where the whole community is brought together to lament an event or a situation or a lifestyle choice that they have made. 
that has consequences. Has consequence. Uh, then there are individual laments, which we can all maybe identify with that in just specific griefs that the we face. The sin is ever before my eyes, kind of mm-hmm. psalms. Well, and just grief too, and then individual Thanksgiving psalms, mm-hmm. then communal Thanksgiving psalms. And then the royal psalms. So those are the overarching categories. There are some that are a little more specific, like wisdom psalms are maybe within the communal psalms as well that just give wisdom to the community. and Impartation. Yeah. There are imprecatory psalms, which we have read (laughs) a few few of those. And that means? That means the writer of the psalm is asking God to do away with his enemies, basically. To put the pound on his enemies. Yeah. And then there are pilgrimage psalms. Now, every year, the Jewish people would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And on the way, they would, at certain points of the journey, depending on how far away they were, recite these particular psalms about their journey, about historical things that God had done for the nation of Israel. Often in different translations, they'll mention a song of ascent. Yes. And that means actually going up the mountain to Jerusalem from wherever you might be. Because the lowlands by the coast and the lowlands down toward the Dead Sea both had to go a few thousand feet in mm-hmm. elevation just to get to the city. Well, and a side note, if you're interested in that thing, Beth Moore did an amazing study called the Psalms of Ascent a few years ago. Awesome. Um, that would be great to look into. And then there's another one called the Enthronement Psalms. Mm-hmm. And these are just, God, you're amazing. Yeah. Oh, God, my God. The psalmist is pouring out praise and worship to God and just identifying where God sits in their life and who God is. The idea that God is enthroned, that means that something or somebody actually put God there. Mm -hmm. So there is a sense where we know God made the throne he sits on, and it talks about earth being his footstool. Mm -hmm. These are all metaphors for the grand scope of God. And even in describing God as being big enough that the earth is his footstool is a minuscule version of who God really is. But it is a picture that goes way beyond what we can comprehend. But it is just a start, really, of discovering the majesty of God. Mm -hmm. Now, when we say he is enthroned, it doesn't mean he's just sitting there or he put himself on the throne. It also does mean that people like you and I acknowledge that God is there and that he deserves to be there. Right that we enthrone him in our praises and that there's a certain kind of throne that can only be formed from the praise and worship Mm, of his people. We can see God there Mm -hmm. because our hearts are there. And I think it's something that's really special about the relationship God has with the human race, that he lets us be not just present, but with our own worship in some way, in some fashion, that we're actually contributing to God's rest Mm, where he gets to sit and enjoy the concert. Mm -hmm. In Daniel, in Isaiah, in Revelation, we see masses of people across all times and places that are part of this grand worship. Mm -hmm. And as C.S. Lewis described it, the great dance. That there's something that is only possible because God exists and because we are able to worship him. This dance, this choir, this concert would never happen unless we saw it for what it is. Right. I think about a parent watching their children play and have a great time and enjoy it. For instance, if you take your kids to Disneyland, you watch them enjoy themselves and you have such a great time yourself as a parent seeing your children mm-hmm. laugh and dance around and enjoy and scream at the rides and just go all out, you know, with abandon. And that is such a great feeling as mm-hmm. a parent. I can remember watching our kids just twirl around in the front yard yeah. and 
play and laugh and roll in the grass. That is such a great feeling as a parent to watch that. And as we sat on the porch watching our kids play, God sits on his throne watching us play. And he's not an inactive, separate God from us. It's just like when we'll call out their names and say, do another twirl or how fun is that? And they're, you know, enjoying it and enjoying it along with them. I see God participating in that way as well. You know, that scene of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration where Peter is trying to butter up the boss. He said, (laughs) can we build you a tent? Can we build a tabernacle for Elijah and for Moses? He's just trying to do something and feel like he has a reason to be there. And then that voice comes thundering out of heaven. This is my son who I'm well pleased in. Listen to him. We read that like it's God scolding these Mm. guys. I don't know if that's really the case. I think God is just so overjoyed. He's there. These are the people you need to be watching. They're wonderful. Just shh, pay attention. Pay attention. And give them the honor they're due. I can think of it specifically with our own kids. I remember one night where our older children, two of our girls, were doing a performance on the dock down in front of our house. And they were making it up on the spot. They said, okay, now we're going to do a song. It's the song of God. <laughs> They're like, ooh. This is going to be good. Yeah. And that's what our son said. Oh, this is a good one. <laughs> he hadn't even heard it yet, but he just knew. He expected it to be fun. Right. There's a lot of ways. That is what our worship of God is. God sitting back at his throne going, oh, this ought to be good. This is going to be good. Go for it, kids. Yeah. So let's jump into a song about and for God and at the same time about God's creation. This week, we're reading from Psalm 19, going through David's worship of God and his creation. We've done a number of very short psalms in the past few weeks, and we've managed to read like six or seven, maybe eight verses at a time. And that's been enough to actually have a whole theme. This one goes all the way to the whopping length of 14 verses. (laughs) But we figured that that first paragraph or two would be the ones we focus on this time. And we'll jump into the rest of it later. Psalm 19, verse 1. Heaven is declaring God's glory. The sky is proclaiming his handiwork. One day gushes the news to the next, and one night informs another what needs to be known. Of course, there's no speech, no words. Their voices can't be heard. But their sound extends throughout the world. Their words reach the ends of the earth. God has made a tent in heaven for the sun. The sun is like a groom coming out of his honeymoon suite. Like a warrior, it thrills at running its course. It rises in one end of the sky. Its circuit is complete at the other. Nothing escapes its heat. There's a lot of objects in that one observation, but this psalm of somebody who sat from sunrise to sunset and took it all in, that's Mm -hmm. what I see in this. Yeah, it's supposed that it was written when he was a shepherd in the hills of Moab, watching the sunrise or the sunset during the time that he was a shepherd, before he became king or before he worked with King Saul. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. 
just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Reach out to us whatever way works for you. And now, back to our discussion. This psalm of somebody who sat from sunrise to sunset and took it all in. That's mm-hmm. what I see in this. Yeah, it's supposed that it was written when he was a shepherd in the hills of Moab, watching the sunrise or the sunset during the time that he was a shepherd, before he became king or before he worked with King Saul. Your version that you're reading from puts all of the verbs in gerund form, like the doing, the going, the shining. These kind of words are in the motion mode. Mm-hmm. And in the one I'm reading from, which is the Names of God version, it says, the heavens declare, the sky displays. It says the same thing, but it says it almost in a different kind of tense. Whenever it does its thing, it declares. Whenever it does its thing, it displays. It's a different way of looking at the verb structure, but because we're reading from a translation of Hebrew, all of those tenses or feelings are embedded in the words that the Hebrew uses. They contain all those tenses. Mm-hmm. It's not broken out into little bits and pieces like we do in English. So how could the heavens declare the glory of El, which is the way that David addresses him in this first verse in the names of God? He doesn't say the Lord of heavenly host. He says El, just like God. That kind of emotional impact of just popping that word in there. In your mind, what do you think David's describing? You and I are sunset people. Mm. We just enjoy a sunset period. I've never seen a really bad sunset. Those kind of things speak loudly to both of us. The landscape, the way the sun is bouncing off the clouds, the way that it sparkles across the water and the lake down from our hill, those things that just bring about a sense of awe Mm. and wonder. That's what David's talking about. He's seeing this beautiful declaration of God's glory. He says in verse 3, there's no speech, there's no words, there's no voice that I can hear, yet the sound extends throughout the world. The words reach the ends of the earth. So what David is saying here, or in my opinion what David is saying, is that we don't have to use words every time we want to communicate something. In fact, the communication is more deeply profound when the action itself speaks louder than the words we could ever use. Looking at God's creation, now we are fortunate to live in such a beautiful place, but we can look at creation, period, and see the glory of God and hear what God wants to communicate and how he wants to communicate his passion and love for us. We just have to look more closely in some places than others. St. Francis of Assisi is famous for saying, proclaim the gospel at all times. Mm -hmm. If necessary, use words. Mm Mm-hmm. And that jiggles our funny bone on that one saying, oh, I get what he's saying here. There's more to the story than just what we say about it. Mm -hmm. I almost see David sitting there from the morning to the evening, taking naps in the sunshine. You've probably done this as a kid. I remember thinking to myself, I can see the sun through my eyelids. Mm -hmm. Just because literally there's glow coming through your own skin into your eyes. You know it's daytime. 
not just by the heat on your face, but by the color of pink mm-hmm. <laughs> that you see on your retinas because your eyelids are in the way. Mm-hmm. And you know that the light is there. There's something about just experiencing that and letting it speak to you. I don't have to open my eyes to see the things around me to know it's daytime. I feel it. Mm-hmm. And I think about concerts I've been to, as a young person especially, and a power sound coming out of the speakers and being up close to, we call them the sub-subs, the big bass modules that would be down there. And you would feel the music. The sound would, oh, yeah. would resonate in your rib cage. You weren't even hearing it in your ears because it was so low your ears couldn't perceive it. But it was there. Mm -hmm. And those speakers were speaking loudly to me, hitting my little soul. (laughs) I think in some ways, David is always hearing the music of heaven here. He's letting them sing to him in the sound that they can make, which is going to be on a whole different plane than just what our ears and even our eyes can perceive. Mm. So he has to use words like sound or light or declare as an action. Or display to talk about things that if we were to declare or display would require us by our will to say, make a noise, to do something, to show you something. He's saying that the heavens themselves, the skies, the sun, the world around us, they have a will that is of a deep nature, yeah. that they are built and made to do this thing, which is to honor and praise God. In the voice translation, it says, inaudible words are their manner of speech and silence their means to convey. Yet, from here to the ends of the earth, their voices have rung out. The whole world can hear them. So that says to me that we don't have to use our voice all the time. Our actions, our lives themselves can be a manner of communication Mm. to the world around us. And how we behave is, in my opinion... So much more important than the words we say often. Mm. Now, we're a radio communications organization, so obviously what we say, (laughs) we want people to hear it. But on an individual basis, in the lives that we live in our hometowns, our actions have to speak loudly. They have to speak the truth of God. Why loudly, though? Maybe audibly is a better way to say it. Maybe our actions have to speak in a way that we communicate our love for God. Mm. And if we don't communicate that so that other people know that, so that other people can't see or understand or even be interested in the love of God or the ways of God, then we're not speaking loud enough. Sometimes our actions communicate to others that we don't care about them. Or our inaction. Or we don't love them, yeah. We run the risk in giving metaphors to things that we anthropomorphize too many things and make them act like people. Yeah, And we have the same problem of objectifying humans, simplifying them so much that they become nothing more than a rock to us. But, you know, you can learn a lot from a rock. I think about the old weather rock idea. People say, how do you know what the weather is? Look out at your weather rock outside your window. If it's wet, it's raining. Mm -hmm. If it's covered in snow, it's cold. If it's glowing hot, it's summertime. There's something about its state It's baseline experience of itself as an inanimate object outside your window that tells you plenty about what's going on in the universe around you. Mm -hmm. David is saying that there has got to be at least a baseline reality in everything that exists, whether it has a brain or not, so that it in itself, because it exists, it gives testament to the thing which is eternal. In the Names of God version, the first line says, The heavens declare the glory of El. And the sky displays what his hands have made. He's saying that the heavens and the sky are the thing that holds all the other stuff. 
But even the background, even the thing that is invisible, even the thing that we have to pass through, itself is speaking loudly of God's majesty. Mm -hmm. And then let's move on to the things that flow through the heavens, the things that live in the sky, and talk about them. So he's gone all the way down to the atomic and the (laughs) subatomic in his analysis of what's real. There are plenty of scientists today who say, you know, that's a pretty good description of word pictures to describe what we can't even really describe. Like the quantum world. We know it exists. We know it has effects. People are making big money on learning how to work with the quantum realm in everything from science to economics. Those things are becoming part of our living reality. This world that we've never seen actually exists and we can interact with it in a way that improves the world and the life we have. That's an amazing discovery. But David discovered this on a spiritual level maybe 3,000 years ago, which is pretty impressive. I do believe that there are heavens and there are skies that hold the things that we see. But even they, the thing that is invisible, is something God had to create so the other things could be. Well, in the Names of God translation, it says the sky displays what his hands have made. Mm -hmm. To me, it sounds like the sky is an art gallery. Mm. The sky is the gallery that holds the creation that God has made. Or even the artist himself standing in front of these masterpieces saying, Mm -hmm. yes, I created that. Ask me any question you want. It seems like the heavens themselves are in the mind of David waiting for you to ask the question. Mm -hmm. Oh, heavens, oh, sky, what do you see? Yeah. Does it have an ability to speak to us when we ask questions? Or do we have to just sit back passively and just let it happen to us? I think David is putting big questions in front of us and we're not really paying attention to them yet. Mm. Are we willing to interrogate all those other things that God has made and say to them, I want to see God better. What can you teach me? Mm-hmm. In verse 2, he says, one day tells its story to the next day. Mm-hmm. And one night shares its knowledge with the next without talking, without words. It's just there is a communication happening as the sun rotates, as it makes its race across the sky, as David puts it in verse 6. The sun is carrying this information, if you will, across the sky to the next day, to the next night, leaving behind its information for the night and the day. That is a beautiful form of communication. There are ways of communicating that we don't even begin to understand that the universe is participating in. And that goes to even the science of today, which says, the yes, quantum, yeah, everything learns from the thing that came before them. The energy is, is transmuted other ways and it's carried forward to other times. Mm. Spiritually speaking, again, we're talking about what kind of patterns are we laying down that others could follow? Mm-hmm. You know, the night that comes tomorrow is not the same night that we're experiencing today. It is a thing, but it also sets the pattern, the template for the one to follow next. If we look at ourselves as being part of those cycles too, what are we doing, what are we communicating now that we know, for good or for bad, is going to telegraph to the next day, the next night, Mm -hmm. so that that one knows what to expect? Do our people that are coming behind us know to expect good things Mm -hmm. of God, or are they looking at our lives saying, is that all there is to it? Is that all that my life can hope for? Is what you've got? Are we presenting the right kind of thing that they will ask the right kind of questions and come to the right kinds of conclusions? Mm -hmm. That's why it is so important that our actions really communicate what our heart's intent is deeply, what we love about God, what we love about being human. We have to wrap it up now for this part of Psalm 19. So we'll say, let's put a, a pin in it for next week. There's a lot more to say, even on these issues of what creation has to tell us before we move on to what God tells us directly 
and we'll get to those on the next Compassion Radio Chasing the Word. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you tomorrow for the next Compassion Radio. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today. 